0: Welcome to The Gathering Pod, the audio version of my weekly Gathering Room broadcast. I'm Martha Beck. Are you guys feeling the same way I am lately? Like maybe this COVID thing? I mean, don't say it very loudly because it will hear us. But I think maybe we're going to go back into the world. Yeah. And something something strange is happening. I don't know if it's a combination of springtime and the pandemic looking like it may end and people traveling again, but suddenly all the people in my life are interacting differently. And I had this overwhelming urge to spring clean, which I think I've been talking about because it's, go- it's an ongoing process, people. It's like, I can't rest until everything is totally scoured out. And there's a feeling of renewal and freshness, and I know our Australian friends and others in the Southern Hemisphere are experiencing autumn right now, South Africa, uh, South America, you're getting those beautiful autumn vibes, but that too has a kind of newness and freshness to it. The, The spring equinox and the autumn equinox are the two times of turning. Like the summer is when it's high summer and winter is when it's dead of winter. But these are the the keys turning in the lock these times. And it really feels to me like a key is turning in a lock. And also, I've been nattering on for decades in my own mind and for years out loud in public about this thing I call the transformation of consciousness. And I think you guys are mostly repeat customers. I don't think you'd be here if you didn't. Share with me, I'll, at least a little bit, this feeling that something's gonna happen to humans in our lifetime. And it's going to be something unprecedented and something good. It's like humans 2.0. Something's gonna happen. And for that to happen, the, the pandemic and the political upheavals and all the things that have, the, the racial reckoning we've had every, in America, a, a number of things have happened all over the glo- globe in the last couple of years that have cracked and shaken and broken the system, you know? The system that we made out of our insanity. (laughs) It's the best job we could do, but it's pretty insane. As Eckhart Tolle says, it killed over a hundred million. We killed over a hundred million of each other in the 20th century alone. So that's not really sane and it's certainly not benevolent and it had to go. (coughs) And in the last little while, people of power and influence have reached out to me and said, okay, it's now, isn't it? What are, what are we doing? Like people I've never met before. It's really odd. And, and other people I'll meet with groups of, of folks and I'll say, here's the thing I just thought of. And three people will say, I, I also just thought of that. And sometimes in the same words. And it's, I don't believe that that's because of, it's, I guess it's partly environmental factors working on similar people. But I think it's really because at the level of our true being, we are continu- we are a field of energy continuous each of us with the entire universe and with one another. And that commonality, the more you like crack away at the illusions the world has given you, the more you feel this the soul coming online and it's united with all of us. like we're, it's just one soul coming online. like this is the austere version of quantum mechanics. We are one energetic wave function from one end of the universe to the other. And we're all just eddies in the, in the great sea of being. And I think it's, it's actually coming to pass and some of the worst of the breaking. I mean, maybe there'll be waves of it, but this is the first time since the pandemic. And I wonder if you feel this too. The first time since the pandemic started where it feels like the breaking, the shattering has happened. And now the springtime is coming, the, the change is coming. It, it, we've been in dead of winter and now something's coming. And I found myself thinking over and over in my mind about a certain song, it's by Leonard Cohen. And uh, Leonard Cohen introduced to me by my fabulous partner, Rowie, Rowan Mangan, the gracious badger. I'd never heard Leonard Cohen. She says, don't you love Leonard Cohen? I was like, who's that? And she was like, really? You don't know who Leonard Cohen is? And I was like, yeah, where I was raised, classical music was God's music and everything else was Satan's music. So I've never heard anything. So she played me some Leonard Cohen and I could see why it never made it to Mormon country because it is spiritually unsettling music uh, and poetry. Leonard Cohen actually didn't want to be a singer. He wanted to be a novelist and a poet. And he kept writing novels and poetry that didn't go very far until he put them to music and sang them. And he didn't even really have much of a voice, even in his youth. By the time he went on tour for the last time, because he needed the money in his eighties, he was kind of a croaky old dude, a very elegant, very magnificent croaky old dude. But croaky, nevertheless, so very unusual for a popular singer to to make it in the way he did when he wasn't even trying and he didn't fit the mold at all. And the songs that he would write were prayers. You know, he came from Jewish tradition, um, where a lot of pra- a lot of songs are prayers and a lot of prayers are songs. Pretty like everything can be sung um, beautifully. All the prayers and rituals have this gorgeous music. One of my friends from Harvard, um, went back to his hometown after Harvard and became a cantor at his local synagogue. He had a voice like an angel, and I'd hear him singing, and it would make me weep sometimes. So that's where Leonard Cohen's coming from, that culture. He was very happy to cherry-pick from any spiritual tradition. So there's lots of Christianity in his, in his poetry. There's lots of, he went and became a Zen monk for a while. So like, most of us here on The Gathering Room, he was a peripatetic spiritual seeker. And he wrote from that place. And he was writing, I think, he was writing to the transformation, but I don't. I think he knew it wouldn't happen during his lifetime. Uh, that, if you read his whole body of poetry, that kind of comes across. But he was always feeling toward this transformation in a way that I think we're all feeling toward it too. And he used to spend like a year writing a single song. And his songs did not fit the the norm of popular songs. It wasn't three and a half minutes with two verses and a bridge and then a chorus, you know. It was like the song Hallelujah, which if you don't know Leonard Cohen, go listen to it. It's like a classic and it's so beautiful. But mostly people only sing the first few verses because it's really, really long. And it goes through some weird spiritual alleyways. And most people sing the beginning, which is very depressing. It's like, um, I've seen your flag on the marble arch. Love is not a victory march. It's a cold and it's a broken hallelujah. And that's where it ends when most people do covers of this song. But if you sing all the way to the end, it's a song about somebody struggling to find himself spiritually in a human existence. And the last words are... And even though it all went wrong, I'll stand before the Lord of song with nothing on my tongue, but hallelujah. It's a song of triumph and rejoicing and, and resurrection and redemption. So this song that I've, I know this is sort of a, an unusual gathering room topic, but I want to use one of his songs as a kind of text for what's happening right now. And if you haven't heard this song, it's called Come Healing. Come Healing. And um, one of the wonderful things about being alive right now is you can go on YouTube and you can just listen to it anytime you want. And it's, his melodies are so gorgeous. So um, there's one where he kind of talk sings through the part of it. And then these two female sister singers take over. And um, I think it was in Dublin. So that's the one that comes up when I Google. Anyway, after the gathering room, go listen to it. If you don't know it, you're going to love it. But I wanted to talk about the poetry of it because I think he was describing the feeling that I'm getting now and that the people around me seem to be getting. So so let me just go through it a bit at a time. And my hope is that you can make a practice out of getting the song on YouTube or if you have it, bringing it out, and listening to it right now because I think it's about what's happening right now. So it starts, oh, gather up the brokenness and bring it to me now. So it's gathering the very things that we we think were the problem, the shattered things. They're they're gathered together. The fragrance of those promises you never dared to vow. So it's almost like a bunch of flowers. The the brokenness becomes something beautiful and, and natural and fragrant. The splinters that you carried, the cross you left behind, come healing of the body, Healing of the mind. So think about the splinters you carry from this pandemic and from everything else that's gone before it and from your own personal life, from being nailed to various crosses. (laughs) Like, what have you sacrificed and what's been taken from you? What broke you on a cross and left you still alive and having to deal with that and needing now to get off the cross and heal? The cross you left behind. We're leaving that, you know. Our, our whole epoch has been, especially in the Western world has been soaked in this sort of Christian ideal of sacrificing yourself. And then because of your deep suffering and brokenness, it fixes everybody else. And what he's saying is you leave that behind. That's, that's a phase. <laughs> Sorry to anybody I'm offending in, in a religious sense, but that's just how I feel. Um, and then he says, behold the gates of mercy in arbitrary space. You don't hear that in every pop song. And none of us deserving the cruelty or the grace. So the, the deep, deep, vicious cruelty of this life that so many of us have suffered, especially like people in people of color, people who don't fit the, the mold socially or you know, anything that is turned against you, this world is very cruel. What's happening in Ukraine is immeasurably cruel right now. And nobody deserves it. And yet nobody deserves the grace that comes either. It could come unbidden. The beauty of this world is completely free to us and it comes as unbidden. So then this is a lot the line that I really, really was listening to because some of you have been locked up pretty much alone and the rest of us have been detached from a lot of the people we love. So this lo- uh, next line is, O solitude of longing where love has been confined, come healing of the body, come healing of the mind. So think about this solitude of longing that you've experienced during the past two years when everything was falling apart around us and when so many of us had to stay apart from each other and let the healing come, invite it. This whole thing is a prayer to bring the healing that is arriving right now. And the next lines I love, oh, see the darkness yielding that tore the light apart. Come healing of the reason, come healing of the heart. So all the fear, all the sorrow, all the catastrophe, all the, the, you know, the anguish that people all over the world have been feeling that tore the light apart. It's yielding. The darkness is yielding to the healing of the mind and the healing of the heart. And then he said, uh, he gives us a little lesson. Oh, troubledness, concealing an undivided love. So there's trouble in our heads, but there's an, and we feel separate, but the love that is us, that is within us, it's never broken, it's never divided. The heart beneath is teaching to the broken heart above. So here's the secret of enlightenment, you guys. We're all enlightened. We just don't see it yet your essence has always been perfect, has always been continuous with the divine. The apparent troubledness, the broken heart at the top, is what we think we are. But as it shatters and breaks away, the broken, the the heart beneath teaches the heart above how to relax, how to let the light that is us shine through unimpeded." And then he talks about how nature does this. We don't have to do it because it happens by nature. And he says, oh longing of the branches to lift the little bud.'" These huge trees around me in Pennsylvania, some of them, huge trees are exploding into flower. These massive trunks and branches lifting these tiny little fragile flowers. And it is the fragrance of the promises we never dared to vow longing of the branches to lift the little bud. Oh, longing of the arteries to purify the blood." What a strange concatenation of images is that. But what he's saying is every little fragile flower in you, the strongest things in the, in nature are trying to lift it. You don't have to purify yourself. Your nature, your arteries, your body, your soul, it's all designed to purify you. It's all designed to fix you by itself. Just relax into it, bring your brokenness. That's all you need to do. And then it finishes and let the heavens hear it, the penitential hymn, come healing of the spirit, come healing of the limb. This healing he's talking about in all its facets, solitude coming back, the troubledness um, yielding, the darkness that tore the light apart, becoming, starting to attenuate the the way nature is designed to push us to this next level and to bring us into a cleanness and a purity that we've never experienced before. I think he's writing through in this strange list of metaphors the transformation of every human consciousness from anguish and sorrow into a redemptive wholeness where we, we heal strongest at the broken places. And I think it's happening to us as a world right now. Even though there's still there's still horror, there's the, break, the brokenness hasn't finished, but the troubled heart is, uh, the, sorry, the heart beneath is teaching to the troubled heart above, the broken heart above. So bring your broken heart, bring your brokenness, bring all of that. And listen to this song after we're done with this today and feel for the healing, feel for the longing in your nature, in your body, in your spirit, in your everything that is transforming without your effort. The healing is coming and you don't have to do a thing about it. And that's what I have to say about that. And now I'll take any questions. Hello, the lovely peoples. purpose, and you will be able to watch it without any charge at all. After spilling water on my own face. All right, let's go over to our wonderful questions. Ah, Ann says, can your brokenness be a good thing as well? What he's saying is, and what I believe is, your brokenness is all good. It's 100% good. It's all good. Good. No, you don't see it that way. Um, I just have, uh, Ro's mother is visiting us from Australia, and she's the most wonderful person. And um, she had two dogs when the pandemic started, I believe. No, no. She had two dogs when Ro left Australia. And um, they both died recently. And especially the second dog who died. He was such a wonderful dog. And he died pretty, pretty young as of cancer. And it was, A terrible broke, I mean, it just broke all our hearts. And then she rekindled a connection with somebody that she hadn't been in touch with. And they've created this amazing bond that was possible because she was totally free. The brokenness of of her life, of her heart in, in this way, like you could look at everything that breaks in your life. It always allows something to grow through it. It's always the broken earth. Yielding to the springtime, to the grass, to the trees. Um, All brokenness is good. That's part of recognizing who you are as a being. That's part of enlightenment to look around and go, oh, it was all good. (laughs) It was all good. So Amy says, Do you sense we are co creating community consciousness as old systems crumble? Yes. I actually don't think we're co creating community consciousness. I think we already have it, but it's the, it's, the heart beneath. It's teaching the broken heart above. So we feel broken apart, broken from each other, broken within ourselves. The community has always been there, commune, to be in the same place, to be connected inexorably, inextricably with each other. It's always been that way. And what's happening as the old systems crumble is that we see it revealed for the first time. Oh, that was always there, okay. That's what awakening is. It's when you go, oh, yeah, that was always there. I just, I never noticed it before, (laughs) or so they say. She says, how does art play a role in global healing? Well, it is the expression of the soul pushing the boundaries as hard as it can to express the consciousness of the divine through a little monkey. And we use different media. Um, I I was coaching a guy the other day whose medium is people. He comes, with ideas for, he comes up with ideas for healing the earth and he's an artist creator. But what he creates is human systems that serve the world. And your art may be, I talked to Jill Bolte-Taylor this week. Part of her art is that she's a brain anatomist. Part of her art is that she had this massive illumination as a result of her stroke and healing, healing. And part, she was, we were on video and she was in her house and she had all these beautiful limestone sculptures and I was like, oh my God, look at these sculptures. And she's like, oh yeah, I made all those. And I was like, ah, you make limestone sculpture? And she said, yeah. And, and she took their camera around and showed me all these things. And they were all expressive of love and the soul. And they all pushed the boundaries of what a human can express by making a three-dimensional figure. It was beautiful. Um, Amy says, have you sensed the the schmutz is being swept away by waves of love, divine love? the schmutz is falling apart because that's what schmutz does. Like entropy is the rule of material reality because this apparent, um, the apparent organization that makes the world look physical is brief and ephemeral. It all fades away. It's all going into entropy. It's all schmutz. But when the schmutz divides, it, becomes light, it becomes love. The energy, that it can't go anywhere. It can't be created or destroyed. So it just turns from stuff into energy. And that is divine love. And you realize, oh my God, everything was made of the divine love. Even the bad stuff was made of divine love. Now now that the healing is here. Ah, okay. Uh, Marianne says, Martha, how do we surrender attachment to our splinters? Well, what you have to do is um, talk to the part of you that's treasuring its splinters. Look at my splinter, it hurts so much. I am a Christ-like vessel of love. Look at my splinters. And God looks at that and says, yeah, get that out. <laughs> and the way you get it out is, you start focusing your attention on the what you're coming into instead of the cross you left behind. It's, it's behind you from this moment on. The suffering you, you experience is behind you unless you bring little splinters in and you love the part that was traumatized, but don't make this mistake of falling in love with your splinters. Your splinters are there to be removed. They're the thing that it, it's great. You had the experience of brokenness. Now it's yielding to the light, but you need to remove little bits of it by saying, oh yeah, that wasn't real, that wasn't real because that says that fear and pain are the ultimate and that doesn't feel like truth to me. The truth is the compassion that grows from the healing of the wounds. And when you get the splinter out, it's because you say, I prefer the story of the healing to the story of being broken. I get more out of it that way. Katie says, what are your favorite self-healing practices? Mm. I've been talking to you guys about relentlessly being kind to yourself. I think that's my favorite right now. Whatever you like, I hate everything. Oh, sweetie. I hear you. That Everybody feels that way. Of course you feel that way. Tell me more. I really hate everything. Yes, I know. And aren't you wonderful? Like you just, like you've got a toddler that you adore beyond anything in the world. Huh. Just so happens I have a toddler. I've had, she's my fourth toddler that I've loved beyond anything in the world. And if you just put yourself in that place, all the tantrums, all the, I can't do things yet. All of that. It's just freaking a adorable. See yourself that way. Care for yourself the way you would for a toddler and you will be happier. I promise. Christina says, what about the war in Ukraine? How does that fit into the transformation of consciousness? I don't know, except that it's part of the brokenness of the horrible cruelty. None of us deserves that. The people of Ukraine do not deserve it. The people of Russia don't deserve it. Nobody deserves that kind of cruelty. Nobody deserves the racism in America and around the world. Nobody deserves the horrible things that have happened to so many of us. But it seems that when we came into this system, we said, all right, let us take on matter so that we can appear to suffer more than we have ever suffered and by breaking through that suffering and healing strongest in the broken places to have compassion beyond anything we've ever experienced so far as well. I love what my um, Peruvian shaman friend told me, um, compassion, no, 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 sorry. Um, is the healing... Yeah, compassion is the healing of consciousness in the resolution of trauma. So we gain more and more compassion as we undergo trauma and then heal it. So we've all experienced cruelties, probably, I hope not like what's going on in Ukraine, but that gets to be included as well. Nobody deserves it. But one thing I will tell you is that if you do heal from something that bad, you heal into something that good. It, it As my Kuwaiti friend said after the Kuwait conflict, Um, when she saw the neighbors being killed and everything, she said, you either find God or you lose God in those circumstances. And she said, I chose to find God. And she was glowing. She was so radiant. And um, even if she hadn't found God, the, the suffering would eventually have ended. And my belief is that the healing comes. The healing comes by nature. The universe is built like the tree that lifts the little bud or the circulatory system purifying everything. It is made to heal us. It looks like it's breaking us all the time, but healing is its real objective. Um, Mama Researcher says, Martha, do you feel this transformation will happen during our lifetime? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I used to think it would be slow and subtle, but I knew I'd live to see it. Now I think it could happen like fast, like really fast and suddenly. I don't know have any idea what it will look like? I know that it will. It will not look like anything we we recognize right now. As T. S. Eliot says, I said to my soul, "Be still and wait without, with wait without love, for it would be love for the wrong thing, and wait without hope, for it would be hope of the wrong thing." There is yet faith, but the love and the hope and the faith are all in the waiting. Wait without thought, for you are not ready for thought. So the darkness shall be the light and the stillness, the dancing. So he was talking about the same. I think every soul feels this. I think it's meant to happen to every individual human soul throughout history. I just think it's gonna happen on a scale and with a universality that we've never ever seen up to this point in history. So we're seeing all kinds of unprecedented stuff. So why not that? Why not? Um. Yeah, and I think it's going to happen during our lifetime. So Demara says, quantum physicist here, can you point me to a few resources? Academic physics doesn't really see it that way, of course, but I remember you mentioning a book by a physicist who establishes some scientific backbone for a unified soul field like a year ago. I'm not sure that was it. Um, oh, what's the one I'm thinking of? Oh, there's a, it's a relatively new book, about the austere interpretation of quantum mechanics. Gosh darn it, I can't remember it right now, but I will put it up in the notes after this. And if you really read, I mean, if you, if you really look at some of the things that people like Wolfgang and, um and Einstein, what some of them said in their off times, there was a lot of mystery in those physicists. And I, I had a physicist come stay with me once and I said, Where is consciousness in these equations in the in the two slit experiment? Where what is it? What do you? and he said, I don't know. It's just physics. It's part of physics. So I've never found a physicist who could explain to me what consciousness actually is, but we see it moving and we experience it. So it's gotta be something. And we, we do know that we're all energy. So maybe consciousness is and consciousness and energy are intertwined. And um, I, I will send up a list of the books that I have read that get me to that place. Some of them, like The Conscious Universe, are more statistical. Those are interesting. Anyway, I don't want to go on and on while everybody else is maybe not looking for physics books, but I will put them in the, in the feed after this. So thank you, Damaris. K.M. Um, Jordan says, are we destined to be alone if we become enlightened? Okay, Um, and then she says, because the more enlightened I become, the less I have in common with those around me. Here's the thing, You you won't be as connected to the monkey troop as you may have been in the past. You may lose friendships, you may lose relationships, they may feel like they have nothing for you. There's something when we do coaching that we call the elevator effect, where you decide to go up a floor, so you get into the elevator, because you want a better view. And you say to the people on your floor, this thing goes up, let's go. And they say, why would we go up? No, no. And the elevator door closes and you're alone. And you're like, well, damn, all this self-development and I'm alone, this is terrible. Oh, solitude of longing where love has been confined. Come healing of the body, come healing of the mind. And then the elevator doors open. And what you see is that you are, intimately connected with a whole different batch of people who are so much on your more on your wavelength and they may have different they may have very few social norms they may only have one social norm which is everybody gets to be themselves but the bonding that goes on at a soul level and at a mind level and at a heart level and at an arts level and at, like communities of artists and philosophers and and healers have gathered and sort of flowered throughout history. You get little pockets of them like the Socratics and then you get the, the French impressionists or the framers of the US democracy experiment and all that. But this time it's huge. This time we can all talk to each other. This time I can sit in my basement in Pennsylvania and talk to all of you in all around the world. And so as this brokenness starts to come into healing. And there's nothing you need to do about it. I just read you the song because that's it. Just know that it's happening and I could be completely and totally wrong. And that, all right, I'll totally own it. But until someone can can show me good evidence that I'm wrong, I'm gonna keep believing what makes me happy and what makes me feel excited and illuminated. And that has, brought so much magic into my life and brought you guys together with me in this one little room, The Gathering Room, and I think is taking us to a whole new place. So lots of love to all of you. Go listen to Come Healing by Leonard Cohen and come back again soon. We'll see you on The Gathering Room. Change, eh? Mm, it sure does keep happening. I feel like there's something that you, Martha Beck, have created that will help us understand how change affects us and how to manage it. Oh, by coincidence, now that you mention it, I have. It's called the change cycle. Mm. It's about four aspects of the whole process of change. and We've put the information together in one handy place so that the people can refer to it when they're going through change. And you know what else? We also made podcast episodes about each of the four squares in the cycle that are also on this new page that we've made for the peoples. Well, how remarkable is that? All right, you can find out all about the change cycle at marthabeck.com change.